He's not stupid anymore. Charles Leclerc takes Baku to Baku poles in Azerbaijan. Welcome to episode 203 of the Formula One Grid Talk podcast. Uh, today we're here to discuss the Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan Grand Prix qualifying. My name is Owen Medford and joining me we have Sophia Richmond and pun extraordinaire from uh, who I have to absolutely give credit to for the, uh, for, the for the pun in the, in the title there, uh, Tom Downey. Hello, you're welcome. Both Hi. of them from <laughs> both of them from Everything F1 and Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Hello. Um, so, but first, just before we get into the show, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could give uh, if you could take five to leave us a five star uh, rating on Spotify uh, or a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk T-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 69% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. Um, so, yeah, uh, obviously, Charles Leclerc takes pole. And um, he kind of, you know, obviously he had a few mistakes, but he kind of looked like he was, was always going to get it, didn't uh, didn't he, Aaron? Uh, I'm not sure it was nailed on, but the Ferrari certainly looked as though it had the, the potential pace for it. There was always a question mark as to how potent the Red Bull would be, especially in the final sector, and whether they would uh, nail the toe, especially in, in favour of Verstappen, because he was uh, regularly behind Perez. Um, on the whole, though, the lap that Charles Leclerc delivered was just stunning. The first two sectors were incredible. I know, I know the first runs uh, can usually be sort of banker laps, and Carlos Sainz was fastest, but Charles was half a second up after the second split, which was just ridiculous. It was so, so good. And I mean, I, I said this last year that. Uh, Sainz is a driver who will just steadily accumulate points, although he hasn't quite done that this year. But for Leclerc, he's the driver who has the X factor. He can just deliver a lap. If you think of all the greatest drivers, they've all been able to deliver the lap in qualifying. You know, Lewis Hamilton, Ayrton Senna, uh, Prost could do it. Verstappen can do it. Uh, Mika Hakkinen used to do it all the time, even against Michael Schumacher. So, the fact that Charles is able to just produce laps speaks so much about his talent and his car control, his courage. And that's something you need around Baku because there is just just, just threats everywhere. And he knows that better than anybody after his, uh, his incident in 2019. He even crashed there last year before taking pole. And knowing all of that and knowing that you need to get yourself back in a winning groove for the championship fight, a championship fight that he's never been in before in Formula One sense, that's a lot of pressure. And we've seen Charles sometimes just sort of buckle under pressure, but he handled it really well today. He delivered a superb lap. Uh, and even Azerbaijan specialist Perez couldn't get close to it. The difference was almost three-tenths of a second. Verstappen, more than three-tenths of a second. But the crucial thing is looking forward to tomorrow is the Red Bull has that straight line speed. Science is there in fourth, so Ferrari could maybe do something with the strategy, but Leclerc needs to get a good start and he really needs to say all of his prayers tonight for a completely clean race in Baku, which is very rare. Um, I mean, we, we had a 
a bit of a dull dud in 2016. 2019 wasn't exactly exciting, but there's just, you know, it only takes one Lance Stroll to go in the barrier and that's it. All hell, all hell is going to break loose. Yeah, as you alluded to, obviously, uh, you know, you need to, you do need to be sort of able to, when the red flags come out, uh, you know, I'll take it one step further on it. When the red flags come out, you know, and, and, the, and everything's on the line, you've got to be able to put laps down. Luckily, you didn't have to do it because obviously the page of his car, but I think it says as much about uh, Charles that, you know, he can, he can just kind of pull those laps out of, uh, just, you know, out of the bag when you need to, when, when the chips are down sort of thing. Um, the person who has been taking his chips from uh, from Monte Carlo Casino uh, right to here uh, is Sergio Perez, who again outqualifies uh, his teammate Max Verstappen um, by you know not not a whole lot, but but enough to put him that eight meters further forward on the grid. Um, Sophia, do you think he can carry that into uh, into today? Uh, sorry, into tomorrow uh, with the race and uh, and really make it two for two on street tracks this uh, this year. I definitely think so. Even in qualifying, he had he was so close to the barriers in all his fast laps. And as well with how Sunday's going to come across, it's going to be very warm. He's the king of tire management. I think as we, um, like you don't want to be in P1 in this track. It's not the best uh, pole to uh, first place position uh, converter compared to other tracks. So I think he's in a good position. The fact that he also has his teammate behind him, it's going to be interesting, um, but I think he will do quite well come tomorrow. I think if he just gets his head down and just keeps on pushing, there's great opportunities to over, uh, overtake. And like as you both have mentioned, the straights are going to be such a crucial factor for Red Bull. And the fact that they have that pace to begin with is where it's going to be th- the matter of how it's going to happen for this race. I think Paris could take it all. I don't really want to because that messes up my predictions and my fantasy team, but I can see it happening because of how well Red Bull are doing um, after quality today. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's a you know it's a great, really great result, and they're actually doing fairly well because they've uh, managed to split the Ferraris, which could come in um, handy with uh, with you know science maybe going backwards, um, which would obviously have them le- less able to apply pressure. Um, just before we get to science, though, uh, Tom, we've got uh, we've got Max Verstappen, who looked, to my eye at least, a little scruffy. Um, would you would you agree with that uh, that assessment of his of his day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Max, he, he just couldn't seem to quite get a lap hook together today. Um, you know, he was uh, he, he he wasn't too happy that Perez wasn't out. Um, behind him, although they weren't close together, because I think he was expecting a toe. Um, and no doubt that I talked about that in Red Bull. Um, you know, you know, no doubt that I've sat around and tried to come up with a strategy or something about it. Um, he had some good moments, and I think I think what was going to be his best lap of the whole qualifying session, never mind Q1, Q2, Q3, I think it was going to be the end of Q1 when he was coming through the, the sort of turn 9, 10, 11, 12 complex um, or sequence, if you like, of corners. And then um, and then Alonso got in his way. Um, he was on a bit of a storming lap, that lap. So I wonder, I, you know, part of me wonders if he'd have got that lap, you know, would that have maybe sort of settled something in his head? Um, would you then seen a better lap from him in the subsequent sessions, uh, you know, he's still P3, mind. 
Yeah, and and it's you know it's it's not it's not like we're looking at him going, oh my god, he's out in Q one, or you know you know like you know, you know like he's P eight or something. Um, you know that's as much testament to the car as it's testament to him. Um, something that people said about Hamilton for a number of years. Um, so um, it, yeah, it, you know, so but it wasn't we didn't see any qualifying that from him that this week where it was like oh my god wow oh my god I want to look at the screen and touch you that was just amazing um you know you know because um uh you know because Perez did that lap at the end of Q2 which was something else and then um and then and then obviously Leclerc did did the qualifying you know did the last run in Q3 which which you you know you know I wanted to make love to the TV at that point because it was just just what a lap uh, you know, you know, to, to, to put his car that far ahead. So yeah, Max didn't have a lap like that this weekend. Um, but also, you know, look, looking ahead to tomorrow, uh, you know, he's he's P three. If if he gets a good launch, you know, in down into turn one, we know what Max is like down into turn one. We've seen it before. Just look at twenty eighteen. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's it's nice to tell you like his race is over before it's even begun. Yeah, of course, and Max Verstappen definitely knows how to race. I think most people have, uh, I think most people have found that out. Um, over, you know, over the course of the few years that he's been in the sport. Um, now, behind him, we have we have Carlos Sainz, and I, I, I don't know how to feel about this uh, with with this kind of performance. It's where he should absolutely be, um, but with the sort of level of performance from his teammate Aaron, um, is is this not disappointing? Um, if you're Ferrari in some ways? Uh, from Ferrari's perspective, no, because their eggs are in Charles Leclerc's basket. So they are, they're expecting Charles to, to lead the way and Carlos is there to not uh, necessarily play number two because they're obviously going to give them equal opportunity. It's not the Ferrari of yesteryear that everyone hated. So Carlos... I think everybody knows and recognises that he doesn't quite have that X-factor speed that I, I mentioned earlier. Carlos himself will absolutely be disappointed with fourth place, having again been fastest in the first runs, something he, he re regularly did at the start of the season. But then he made a small error that has sort of cost him... Uh, well, you could say it's cost him a lot, but it's only cost him maybe a front row position. I don't think he had the speed to beat Leclerc um, today because he, he, he should have been maybe third or second on the grid. But from fourth, he's absolutely fine. He's in the game. The Ferrari will hopefully have a good strategy for him. So, that, I mean, that, that's a bit potluck, to be honest, the way that Ferrari tend to pull their strategies out of the bag. But the team won't be that disappointed with him. It was that one slide out of turn two that really, really did for him. He was four and a half tenths down by the uh, first split. But to be honest, if I was uh, Mattia Bonotto, I would actually rather science have made that mistake and been four and a half tenths down than he not quite push enough. Because then from, from a team manager point of view, you can say, well, both of our drivers are absolutely pushing to the limit and occasionally they're overstepping it and they've acknowledged that that science is struggling to adapt to this car and 
look, th- there's a lot of drivers struggling to adapt, uh, one of whom we'll probably touch on a little bit later. Um, so it's not going to be perfect immediately. There's every reason for Carlos to be optimistic about tomorrow because we know just how crazy Baku can be. And he's where he's where he should be. And if there's if there's anything lively happening at the front, he can be there taking a watching brief and just sort of pick up the spoils the way they fall. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That might also be a strategy for George Russell. Is actually it's actually done a really good job to get into to, to fifth place with what looks like a racy. You know, a racy Gasly uh, in an AlphaTauri behind, doesn't he, Sophia? This track is so unpredictable. You just don't know. You see Russell, who, to be fair, he will pop up. I hope he can still keep his P5 or above finish streak going for the season. And this kind of solidified and helped it as well. If he just keeps it as it is um, from today. But again, out-qualified Hamilton, the porpoising as well from Mercedes, looking at the free practices in quali was absolutely horrendous. And even Hamilton was on the radio all the time talking about like how bad it was. You didn't hear much from George. So it was quite interesting to see George not complaining as much as Hamilton in the commentary that we could see. But I mean, I've always said George over Hamilton this season, like he's doing so well for his first year Mercedes and this is another example of pretty much a world-class um a driver like definitely you can see him probably get world championships not this season I don't think (laughs) probably not I think it's statistically not possible but definitely in the future with Mercedes if they can get the porpoising down and sorted but just a good run for him like even with all the um they were the first out um after the red flag was the red flag um, in Q2? Like they were the first people out in order to try to push into Q3 because they were quite like on the border for it as well. And it's just been good. Uh, close calls to the wall a few times as well for George, but luckily not into the barrier as well. I, I'm, I muted myself then. I don't know why. Um, I completely forgot that I wasn't <laughs> muted. Um, yeah, uh, it's a, it's quite a good performance by Russell and, uh, you know, uh, pushing it to the limit, which you'd expect him to do. Um, then we've got Gasly behind who, I, I, Tom, I don't kind of know how you, how you sort of characterise Gasly, but he seemed to be on a bit of a resurgence lately. And I, I, th- I think it's a little bit more than that. that you know, it looks like it, the car is getting good as well, doesn't it? Yeah, Gasly's had a bit of a slow start to the year. Um, and it seems like it's taken him a bit of a while to sort of get get back up to speed and get to the Gasly that we know. But today, it felt very much like a return of, of, of the Gasly of 2021. Um, it's like all, all, the, all the qualifying sessions, he was there, he was close, he was he was pretty close to the top. Um, and, and, and he was, you know, he was putting his car like P4, P5 at, at some points. Um and you know, you know, he's he's still qualified P six overall. So you know, he, he's he's done a damn good job. Um, sorry, I just hit a cat go mad. Um, he, he's um, I think I think in his head now that he has seen that the Red Bull seat is effectively gone, um, and he knows that he will not be going back there. I I think he knows that. Um, I think he probably somewhat knew it before, but now that he's seen Perez on a two year deal. I think that sealed his fate in the Red Bull program, and I think I think he's as much driving 
It's not so much that he's driving for a seat in F1 because Alpha Tari would dearly love to hold on to him. I think he's driving to prove his value and to prove his worth to a different team. You know, maybe he's driving to prove his worth at somewhere like Alpine or, you know, the couple of rumours floating around of him, you're possibly taking a seat at McLaren. I don't think a seat at McLaren would happen. I think they're more likely to go with someone like Pat Ward or Colton Herter. Um, but I'm not turning this in, into an episode of that. Um, Gasly is um, Gasly is effectively driving to how would I put it for like in a non in a non driving sense he's effectively um, bolstering his CV that's what he's doing or sort of like bolstering his portfolio and in, if if he can sort of like add to his collection of yet another good weekend of out qualifying his teammate, you know, putting the car higher than it should be. That's going to attract interest from, from people at the top. I mean, it's like Mercedes must be starting to look at, um, uh, you, you know, a, a replacement for Hamilton because Hamilton, he's not going to be around forever. I'm not saying that Hamilton should retire. You know, that's completely his call. Um, but, but, you know, if a space was to come at Mercedes next year, I think Gasly would be a perfect fit. Um, so, uh, so I, I think part of the, part of the sort of resurgence, as as you mentioned, Owen, I think um, I think that's I think that's what this is about. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's 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 numerous top level uh, endurance uh, drives uh, opening up uh, in the next year or so, um, particularly if you're a Frenchman. Um, after that, uh, in seventh place. Um, which is, you know, sort of uncharacteristic for a car that we thought was, had, was on top of its porpoising, uh, is Lewis Hamilton, who just seems, you know, almost further than he's ever been, doesn't he, Aaron, from uh, from George Russell? Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the lap times, the fastest times uh, that the two Mercedes boys produced. So if you look at Q1, uh, Russell 43.7, Hamilton 43.9. Uh, Q2, Russell did a 43.2. Hamilton did do a 43-1, but that was with the aid of the toe from Russell. Um, and then the track obviously being slightly more rubbered in. And then Russell, again, two-tenths quicker in Q3. I don't know if there was towing involved in that. Um, the, the attention was a little bit more towards the front, which unfortunately Mercedes are not in, as much as it hurts me to say it. Um, and I think, I think P7 is actually a really good save for Lewis because at one point I was looking at it thinking, He's not even getting into the top 10. Um, and Russell, I mean, he's pulling more than just his own weight. Today, he was pulling Lewis's weight as well. So for Mercedes to have got both cars into Q3 and then Russell in, in fifth and Hamilton seventh actually puts them in a really good spot to sort of tie up fifth and sixth in the race and then scoop up anything further beyond that because they, they do have much better race pace it's a circuit where uh, generating tire temperature has always been an issue. Um, and this, this car just seems to be really, really gentle on the tires. So once they get everything up and running, then they might be somewhere in, in the game. And I think a disrupted race plays really well into their hands because it stops the, the, the field spread. Okay. The, the tire temperature issues, but if it stops like the big boys getting away, then they might be in with a shout. And, you know, if, if, if you want someone to manage their way through 
a crazy race or a certain situation, Lewis is your guy because he's just got so much experience and he's, he's done pretty much every sort of race that there is to do throughout his career. Um, but he, he did struggle today. So seventh for me is a bit of a save and yeah, it could have been a lot worse. The Alpha Tauri has split, um, the two Mercedes and Sonoda is right behind. Sonoda was, uh, just over a 10th behind Hamilton, which, you know, just, just shows you where the Mercedes is at. And I mean, credit to Alpha Tauri, they've, they've got a good car this weekend. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, credit to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just looking at the Sonoda, you know, looking at the times um, myself and, uh, and, you know, actually it's, it really shows that he's come a long way because he's he's really not far off Gasly, uh, off Gasly, or or obviously the seven-time world champion. So it seems a far cry from earlier in the season, doesn't it, Sphere? Um, you know, with with who he's outperforming and the kind of scalps that he's getting, particularly Vettel behind, for example. Definitely. I mean, Yuki's ahead of Gasly in the championship by five points. He's done. He's outqualified Gasly a few times as well. Obviously, not including Monaco with uh, Yuki's incident. Um, kind of hindering Gasly with the opportunity to get some fast times. But looking at the times exactly, like you the fact that both Alphataris are were in the top ten, I think is kind of surprising recently given how un given how they're not consistent enough this season. More so Gasly than Yuki. Yuki, I think he's finally settled into the car. Obviously, last year, we saw him go off all the time. I mean, we did see a few today um, and in free practice going off the runoffs a few times. But he's not crashing. He's not being like a Latifi or a Stroll as much as he was last season. He's kind of really found his feet in the team. And that also could be credit to Alex Albon because he was helping him last season before um, Alex was announced to come into F1 this season. So... I think he's finally got, given himself the motivation and confidence as well to kind of push. And he has had some few, uh, few close calls as well. Um, came very, very close to some of the barriers, especially around turn eight. There was a clip of that uh, at one point as well. Very close to where the castle is. But yeah, timing wise, I mean, just looking exactly like Q1 specifically, he was ahead of Hamilton by almost half a second. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. And I mean, it might be a toe in that potentially, but consistently, like, he is on par with Hamilton and Gasly for, uh, for qualifying as of today. Um, do I think he's going to stay in that position or higher um, come Sunday? Probably not because he's towards the middle and that's going to be really dodgy coming into turn one and turn two. I can kind of see he might be... Maybe going a little bit softer on the start and trying to hold out to finish the race and maybe try to finish in like the top 12, top 13, maybe that because I think he would rather not have a crash and not go into the runoff on Sunday um, and just keep on finishing the race for sure. Yeah, that's vitally important. Um, bearing in mind, they don't give out points on Saturday. Uh, we give them on Sunday. Um I was going to say, just to, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to skip to Aaron first uh, when we do, if we're talking about Vettel. Uh, <laughs> just looks like, unfortunately, Tom's had to, have to deal, deal with something on his end there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a ninth place for Vettel, um, and I it, it it seems like at least in a lot of way they've worked out how the uh, 
it's worked out. They've worked out how the um, Red Bull side pod works at Aston Martin, doesn't it? Tommy, you you look oh. like you're ready. Yes, I am. Apologies. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Apologies to working my game. Try just have to look at it quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah, the um, the, the oh god, the the the, the green the. The um the green ripple. Uh, I'll talk. Can I have a stroll later on when we get to it, <laughs> please? Um, but I thought Seb did pretty well today. Um, you know he uh, he was um, you know he, he was. He, I I don't know if it's if it's the car that's getting better or if it's or if it's that Seb is settling in or what. Especially after he, especially after he had such a um, you know such a sort of almost backward start to the season. Obviously, missed the first two races, all that. Um, but sort of, you know, in, in early on in the season, I thought Seb was looking like someone who was done with F1, and there were still lots of talks about him potentially being done in F1. Um, but today, it was almost I mean, maybe it's a form of Red Bull driver thing because obviously Gasly had the same thing. But you know, we we see, you know, again, we've seen a bit of a sort of resurgence from Seb, and you know, he was looking, he was looking a lot better. And, he, he was looking a lot better this uh, this weekend. Um, as they were saying on Sky that he's finished fourth, third, and second in 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 that order in 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 the um, in the previous races. So, yeah, so yeah, well, no, exactly. Oh, I yeah, you know, I, I quite like Seb now. I didn't used to. I used to think he was a right insert expressive here, um, but um, see, I'm, I'm getting better. Um, but um, but but. You know, over the last few years, I have quite warmed to him, um, and yeah, he's a. I'd like to see him get first, but let's be fair, it's not going to happen. If he can keep that Aston in the points, um, I think that'll be a good result for him. Um, that, I know that might sound a bit harsh, but um, I don't think the Aston is that quick, and I think he's going to have he's probably going to have Landon Norris coming up, charging behind him. Um, is is Alonso in front of him or behind him? I can't remember. He's behind. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, he's gonna have Alonso, you know, sniffing his gearbox. Um, you know, you know, through, you know pretty much from front from the start of the race. Um, you know, so he, he's gonna have a bit of a job on his hands, and he's pro- he's probably going to fall away from the Mercs in front of him. I, yeah, I would, I would, I would anticipate. Um, we did see in Q2 he appeared to have a slight brake issue where he, you know, he he did gently smooch the barriers at turn 15. Um, I hope that that's not anything serious that's going to rear its head tomorrow. Um, I hope that that was, I hope, you know, this is going to sound weird, right? But I hope that that issue was. Was caused by him outbreaking himself for the corner, and then and then and then you know, the the control electronics didn't catch up or whatever. That's what they were saying on Sky Sports. That's what I hope it was. I hope it's not anything more serious because you know I don't want to see anyone retire with mechanical issues like that, apart from stroll for safety reasons. Um, but um, but 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 you know I, I hope that I hope that his car can hold out. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he had a pretty good quality. You know, he's got a good track record here anyway, like we said, and he's been on pole, I think. Has he been on pole here? 
Yeah, I'm sure it was 20, was it 20, sure. 2018. It was 2018. I thought so. Yeah. That's, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like, you know, I want to see him do well. I want to see him get points. Um, whether I think he will remains to be seen. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, I do always be wary of a uh, of a, sen- uh, a sensor issue. Sorry. Um, and behind, as you well state, uh, I'm not sure sniffing his gearbox is allowed. Um, I, don't, I thought you weren't allowed to touch cars when they're in part per part, part firm condition. No, if you're sniffing it, you're not touching it. You see, trust me, I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure how we move on from that <laughs> <laughs> right I'll, I'll do it for you I was going to say that oh, sounds like no. a world like, anyway <laughs> that sounds like a world <laughs> anyway right, right so trying to hold some continuity here behind Sebastian Vettel is, the, is Fernando Alonso of Alpine there you are Owen. there's your segue I'm sure that will hold up in court. Um, <laughs> we have a lot. We have uh, we have Fernando Alonso in the Alpine. Uh, Aaron, um, <laughs> well, we've established where he'll be at the start of the race. hundred um, percent. I don't think it'll actually be long before he gets past Vettel. To be honest, so we won't have to worry about anything. <laughs> um, I was a little bit surprised to see Alonso down in tenth because. That Alpine has shown some good pace, but it's classic Alpine, isn't it? They run really well on a Friday and they seem to drop back down the order on a Saturday. There was talk yesterday about them maybe setting up the um, the, the Alpine for more racy sort of setups, but I just, I just can't see it because... Then, well, the, the straight line speed is going to be phenomenal, but it's not going to be any use if they can't hang on to the people in front of them um, through the slower speed corners. And that's where you're going to make your time. And if you can't get good traction out of the final corner, or uh, I say the final corner, the final important corner of turn 16, then it's going to give them a lot to do down the straight, even with DRS. So, I think it was, I think they've underachieved, but at the same time, I'm not surprised that Alonso is only 10th when maybe they should have done a bit more. I, I stand to be proven wrong in the race and Alonso is going to come through and win with like the most mind-blowing straight line speed anyone's ever seen. But it's it's asking a lot from their, their slightly fragile uh, power unit. Alonso is already on his fourth power unit. So, if they're getting all of that that rev out of it down that that down that long straight, I mean, come Montreal, you can see those two uh, going pop uh, down towards the Wall of Champions or something. So they they've got to be careful at Alpine. But you know, it's a crazy race tomorrow. So Alonso is another guy who will embrace that and. Uh, I look forward to him pulling some moves on people and then shouting about it on the radio. Yeah, we just got some. Just got to remember that it wasn't ten. It was under ten years ago that Alonso was uh, proving everyone else wrong with uh, really low down starts on the grid, and then you know going on to take races that we never thought he'd, we'd see him take. Um, right uh, after that, uh, you, you know, you said about. Uh, 
about having a lot of straight line speed. Uh, someone who doesn't have any straight line speed is Lando Norris, um, just outside the uh, yeah, just outside the top ten. Um, obviously, in eleventh place, um, flanked obviously by uh, his teammate Daniel Ricciardo. Um, it kind of looks like that. That's all the the performance those two. You know, I bundled them together, but that, it kind of looks like that's a, you know, all the performance those two cars had. Really, Sophia. Um, you know, bearing in mind where they've qualified and and how close they are. I mean, this is the closest McLaren's been in a while since, like, Australia, I think. Um, I would never kind of put Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris together this season just because of how well Norris has been outperforming Daniel this season. Um, but, I mean, even looking at Q1 and Q2 times, Norris was above Ricciardo in both instances as well. It's good for Ricciardo. It's not great for Lando. Lando's been performing quite well in qualifying most of the season and even in races as well. Um, so the fact that he got knocked out in Q2 very like marginally as well um, from Alonso. And then obviously with Alonso, there was he was slowing down as well because he was the first one out for the Q2 as well. So because he was slowing down the pack, that also made it very interesting because it delayed potentially Lando having started and also he ran off he was on a flying lap and ran off um i can't remember which turn it was but that also impeded his chance to have a race because he was yellow i think he was like um three seconds down on yeah three seconds down or something like that um after sector one so he had an opportunity he was potentially going to get out of um Q2, even Sky Sports commentators were talking about it as well because we see him run off, spun around, and then kept on going, like actually racing. And we're like, is he going to try to like push out and try to make it into Q3? But yeah, it just wasn't his day, Lando. Um, I I think this might be one of his lowest starts as well um, this season. So we'll see how it goes. I hope he can make it into the points. I. He's just been, for, been performing so well. And this is the first time he's also said that he's feeling 100% as well after dealing with tonsillitis back in Barcelona and even still quite ill in Monaco. So we can finally see him at his full racing capacity compared to the last two races. So ideally, would like him in the points. Would hopefully kind of see him overtaking Alonso, maybe Vettel, or we just see Yuki just drop down and then Lando go up, hopefully. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Um, we've seen that happen. Um, I, I do worry uh, about about the McLarens uh, just based on their strike line speed, though. This is the kind of place where you need it, you know, almost a sacrifice for going through the corners. Um, somebody who looks like they've worked out how to do it in that McLaren is Ricardo, who looks closer to um, to Lando Norris than he's been in a good long while, does, uh, doesn't he, Tom? Yeah. Um... <sighs> Yeah, I, I I don't know if it's if it's the McLaren's lack of straight line speed, which, as, as you mentioned, is something you really need in Baku, and it's something which uh, which is something that that, that they do it to be quite severely lacking in, um, which is not something I'd ever thought I'd say about Mercedes Pallion in the, in the turbo hybrid era, but there we are. Um, it's uh, yeah. Um, I thought I thought Danny did all right this um uh, I was gonna say this weekend today. Um you know 
Yes, he is closer to Lando, but I it's not like he's closer to him in the sense that they're both in P6, P7, like they were in Australia, or, or you know, they're both in the top 10 or something. They both have got knocked out in, in Q2 on, on pure pace, and neither of them really looked like they were going to get into Q3. Um, he, Danny Rick did seem a bit more sort of relaxed. I know I was watching a thing on Sky Sports um, this morning, um, or maybe it was the afternoon, I can't quite remember. I turned the TV on for a few minutes before we went out. Um, and um, and he was being interviewed, I think, by Rachel Brooks or possibly Nas. He's been interviewed by someone from Sky, you know, and and they were going through, you know, going through like his his bad run of uh, his his bad run of form and all the rest of it, and his struggles at McLaren, you know, basically giving him the sort of once over. Um, and 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 he he said that when his back's up against the walls, you know, he he can come out swinging kind of thing. So maybe we're seeing an element of that. Um, I got to be honest, I don't. I don't foresee him getting into the points tomorrow. Um, I think we're possible. I think, well, no, not possibly. I think we are probably more likely to see the likes of Esteban Ocon overtake him um, and, and get that get that Alpine up there because you know, like you said, or what, like we said about Alonso, is um, whilst the Alpine has pretty shoddy reliability, um, you know, if they do have good speed, um, which is what they said they were going for this year. So, yeah. So, it's a. It, it's not. I wouldn't call it a false dawn or anything, but I think maybe it's. A, I think maybe it's. Um, it, uh, can you even call it an improvement though? That's the thing, because like I said, he hasn't put his car further up the grid than he normally does. His teammates further back. I think he's closer to the. I think he's closer to getting the most out of the car this weekend. It's just a. As we've seen, the car inherently is not particularly is not going very well around the streets of Baku. So yeah, it's a it's a weird one with Danny Rick. Yeah, it is a little strange. Um, yeah, hopefully it's just this is just a you know step in the right direction, as it were. Um, Aaron, after that we have uh, Esteban Ocon. Um, you know, do, do you agree with uh, with Tom's assessment that? He'll probably get past, um, you know, given given that they what, what the Alpine's actually good at. Um, do, and, and if he does, do you think Alonso is going to sort of have a hand in it? You know, re- repay the favour from uh, from Hungary last year. Uh, I think uh, Fernando will be uh, looking further forward because the Alpine has shown prodigious straight line speed. They've been fast in sector three all weekend. The question will be for Ocon is first of all. How quickly can he use that straight line speed to get by, uh, especially past the McLarens? Because in the early stages, everyone's going to be sitting in the toe of people in, uh, in front of them. So if we assume that Vettel's race pace in the Aston is not great, then I would expect the McLarens to be at least uh, somewhere around the rear end of the, the Aston Martin and sitting there in the toe, which could make life difficult for Ocon. Um, so that, if you assume again that Alonso has got past Vettel, that takes Alonso out of the equation. What ha- what Ocon has in is in, in, in his advantage uh, is that the Alpine are running the skinniest wings I've ever seen. We've we've got Mercedes with size zero side pods, and now we've got Alpine with the skinniest, smallest wings you've ever come out with. Um, uh, but it, it seems to be working for them. So 
it'll be interesting to see how that translates in terms of race pace because the next Grand Prix is, of course, Montreal, which uh, straight line speed again is important, but again, a trade off between downforce through uh, the, the middle sector and straight line speed in the final sector. So, how well Alpine perform, especially in Ocon's hands, how they uh, perform this weekend and or tomorrow is going to be a real eye-opener looking forward to next weekend. And it will tell us a lot about their potential prospects and what they might need to change. Can I see Ocon getting points? Yes, I can. Um, because I think Sonoda will do something silly. Um, he'll be a missile into turn one or something. Uh, yeah, Something silly will happen. Vettel probably doesn't have the race pace to stay there. The McLarens don't have the straight line speed. So I can see Ocon moving forward. But we know he can get a little bit uh, agitated when he gets stuck behind someone. So he might be the one who comes a cropper and triggers uh, the the race turning upside down. But we'll wait and see. It's going to be fun watching his progress, though. Yeah, 100%. Uh, if nothing going on at the front, hopefully he'll be doing something behind. Um now afterwards, we have uh, in, in 14th place, um, we've got uh, Guan Yu Zhou, who I think for the first time this season has out-qualified his teammate, uh, Sophia. Um, you know, is this a sign for things to come? Is this a sort of changing of the guard um, uh, uh, when it comes to uh, Alfa Romeo there? I, I don't think so. This, like, as you mentioned, this is the first time um, Zhou Guan Yu has out-qualified Bartas, but it's also Bartas's first time not getting out of q3 in a, like 150 races like so <laughs> that's kind of how it seems joe has proven himself this season to be a good rookie driver he did the amazing save in monaco as well like had it not been for his engine problems he is a good driver like he would have more points than the single point that he has currently compared to bartas's um 40 or 44 points he is good um do I see him moving up a bit? Maybe, maybe two or three. Do I see him in the points? No, in in all honesty. Um, I think it wasn't the best race for both alphas, and we see that clearly in P14, P15. I think they're going to get like caught up into turn one. Like I feel like a few cars ahead might have some incidents. We keep on mentioning about Yuki. I think something's going to happen with Yuki, and it's just going to maybe kind of hinder um, alphas' opportunities to kind of get ahead. Um, but he is doing quite well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like they have some pace, um, in free practice, primarily they were doing quite well, not as well as obviously like the Mercedes, Red Bulls and the Ferraris, but they're doing well in their own kind of where they are as a team. Cause they're not mid, well, they are mid, they're not bottom. They are mid now. Like they are stronger con- contenders. Thanks to Bottas and how well Bottas has been doing this season. Joe could have added a lot more, but again, he had two DNFs due to engine problems, and then he had another issue as well. So he hasn't had as much opportunities to prove himself as a rookie driver. But compared to the rookie drivers last year of Yuki and Mick, he's outperforming them, I think, personally, in his first uh, first year compared to the other two last season for them. And again, new regulations, new cars, wider cars, longer cars on a street that's quite narrow as well. Like you see in the castle, you're not going to have two cars. Someone's going to have to bail out straight away. It's going to be quite dicey this season at this race tomorrow, because he's going to push, he's going to try to push as much as he can push the limits, push the track 
try to get the elbows out and try to make up some places. Again, like I said, I don't see him in the points, but I see him very close to the points um, when the checker flag comes out uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's well possible. Um, and behind, and you know, obviously we've got his teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas, who has been out qualified. Um, but it's sort of, you know, is that is that Bottas underperforming there, Tom, or is that sort of the maximum that he could have got out of the car, really? Uh, I think there's an element of Bottas. I uh, I think underperforming is a bit of a harsh way of saying it, although it is probably the most sort of accurate phrase in that sense. But yeah, you know, he, he he did have issues yesterday where, where his car, um, you, you know, where he, he went off with a with a mechanical issue, where his car shut down and came back on or something. So he had a bit of, a bit of limited running, and I know obviously he's been in F one for quite a long time, but he's a, he's at a new team. Um, with a new power unit in a completely new type of car, because obviously the 2022 cars are very different. Um, you know, so it, so the teams and drivers are going to want to do as much running as they can, obviously, to you know to to get used to their cars around around these circuits. And you know, he's not going to have oodles of historical data um, for for this circuit. Uh, I think if, if if he would have had a proper day of running yesterday and this morning. I think we'd have seen him certainly knocking on the door of of um, Q3. In fact, I'd be inclined to say we'd have probably seen him split the, uh, maybe split the McLarens, um, you know, m- maybe push Danny Rick and lock on down a place or something and his teammate. Um, that's not taking anything away from what Gwen Yuzhou has done. And I completely agree with what Sophia said. I think he has proved himself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to repeat everything, but but you know, I, I do agree. I don't think Joe is that bad a driver. He's, I don't think he's anything special, but he's not that bad. But as 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 for Bottas, um, I think it was more because there are a couple of elements somewhat outside of his control this weekend. I think I think he got the most that he could have with the runs he had this weekend. Um, now, whether we're actually going to see him move up. Or if he's going to do classic Bottas and get stuck, uh, you know, get stuck, in, you know, in a position, I don't know. Um, I'd like to see him move up. I think his car's got the ability, and I think he's and I think he's got the ability. However, I don't think it will happen that much, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, so yeah, so it's a yeah, it's it, it was a, it was a bit hard luck for Bottas. I think it's probably the probably the best way of putting it. Um, yeah, he was uh, just a bit, just a bit unlucky with uh, you know with 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 the engine issues and and, and all the rest of it. But um, but you know, he got some good laps in. Um, Crofty sort of made me go oh um, at the end of Q1 because when he said and Valtteri Bottas is not down, I was like uh, no, honey, he's P15. He is through. Sort your life out. Um, you know, so uh, you know, I, I think um, I think Crofty got confused because it because it came up with the banner, you know, you know where it says driver at risk, and I think Crofty saw that as being in the knockout zone. Um, good on Crofty, eh? Um, so yeah, so it's. Uh, I think he'll be a bit disappointed, um, but hopefully we'll see him uh, see him see him get a good result tomorrow. Hopefully, yeah. Um, now, one of the ones who was uh, hit by uh, one of the people who was hit by really bad luck, uh, in fact, the entire sort of 
uh, bottom five here uh, for various reasons um, has been hit by bad luck. Aaron is uh, is Kevin Magnuson. Um, he's he's a little bit far away, but do you think without that uh, without that safety car that we'll talk about a bit uh, not safety car, sorry, red flag uh, we'll talk about a little later? Do you think he might have managed to make it through? Um, no, I I think the Alfa Romeo had just enough pace to get through anyway um i can't remember i don't no i think magnuson did set another lap but he just didn't improve but obviously he was hamstrung by the fact that they had to jostle for position and um deal with everything was he was he caught out by alonso and his antics at the back i I can't remember where where he was he might have been quite possibly alonso up to his old tricks again um, I mean, Karun tried to make excuses for him with rear locking, but that that looked premeditated to me. <laughs> so, with the jinx um, on the steering wheel as well, to be yeah. like, oh, I'm trying to stop the car. Yeah, he could have definitely put the the brake bias a little bit too far back, further down the straight. Oh, rear brakes have locked up. Whoopsie. Guess I'll just go down this escape road. And then, you know, drivers like Magnussen and Albon are stuffed because they've had to back off because of a yellow flag. But ultimately, I don't think the uh, the Haas had the performance. And that's kind of summed up by Mick Schumacher's position as well, which I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on later. Well, we definitely will because we'll cover everybody. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit of a tricky afternoon for Haas. The best they can hope for is the most bonkers, crazy, chaotic race ever seen um, to maybe snatch a couple of points. But that's clutching at straws. I don't think they have the performance to get points tomorrow, even with the heroics of Kevin Magnussen um, and all the will of Denmark behind him. I just don't think that's going to be enough. Yeah, it was a it was a good day for Vesti, but uh, it might not be so so much for uh, for his compatriot uh, in the uh, in the race tomorrow. Um, in seventeenth, we have Alex Albon, who, uh, speaking of uh, Alonso's antics. Uh, seemed to be one of the people, at least most vocally, uh, calling him out on it, uh, Sophia. Yeah, from what we saw, I mean, there's probably other ones that are probably as annoyed as Alex. But yeah, I mean, in the nicest way possible, do we really think Williams would get out of Q1, though? <laughs> like, I I get it. I guess that he was annoyed. He might have been closer to the driver at risk um, in Q1, potentially. But even still, it wasn't that much. It, 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 it's a Williams. Again, let, let's... <laughs> it is a Williams. <laughs> We're expecting P20 and P19. So P17 is kind of a bit of a um, bonus going up. Um, and again, out-qualified Latifi. Um which has been happening consistently this entire season. And for somebody that's returning back into F1 this year after having a year out as well, um, it's quite cool. And then obviously it's a new engine, similar to how uh, Tom's been mentioning as well with Bartas to Alpha. It's different engine, different data and information. So he's doing well for his first season back. But I don't like. I get him being annoyed because he could have been closer to the drive at risk. But I don't see him getting nowhere near out of Q one than the frustration that he had on the radio. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, we're not going to see much of Williams tomorrow. I don't think um, we never really see much of Williams besides Latifi going into the wall almost every single race or every single free practice or qualifying um, still on record for ha- having that happen. But yeah, I don't know. It, Williams is just kind of a silent Alex in particular is quite a silent driver and that's it. Um, in all honesty. Yeah. I think you basically covered Latifi as well. Um, uh, which is, you know, pretty silent. Didn't see much from him and probably not going to see much from him tomorrow. Um, which has worked out so beautifully with me just skipping over at Latifi there. Um, with Stroll, who we can throw to Tom Downey. Let's 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 talk about him. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Sorry, shall I shall I get my uh, shall I get my popcorn? So yeah. ready for this. <laughs> now I get Baku is not an easy circuit by any means, and. Um, and we were always going to see a driver climb the wall or, you know, skim the wall. A lot of drivers have skimmed the wall today. But how many times have we seen Stroll make stupid, stupid mistakes? Uh, yeah, a, a good, good point by Sophia as well. He calls the first red flag in quality last year. God, all habits die hard, don't they? Um, you know, he... Uh, he, he he locked up uh, before he hit the wall, which caused a flat spot, which, you know, happens. You know, you, you, sometimes you do outbreak yourself, you know, you know, that's not uncommon. Every driver does that, you know, at some point or other. How many drivers do we see lock up today and yesterday? Pretty much all of them. What, <sighs> the thing that irks me is he made such a, such a rookie, basic, stupid error by continuing to push in a quality lap on flat spotted tyres and I'm sorry I'm watching oh sorry I'm watching the Premiership semi-final Northampton nearly scores um, <laughs> he, um <laughs> yeah um, yeah he's just Stroll is just it's not like he can press a, he's not playing a video game he can't press a restart button and and you know he, and yes his dad is in charge of the team and you know, maybe there's an element of that in it, but he has to take some accountability for for the for for his just well for his incompetence because to flat spot your tires, like I said, yes, that happens a lot, but to then continue pushing, realize you're not going to make a corner, but still try and make the corner instead of bailing out down the escape road, which so many drivers did this weekend, even Alonso, just ask Alban. Um, it's it's just it's just a Oh God! I was going to swear that I'm not going to. It's just a, it's just a really, really, really dull thing to do, and it reeks of inexperience. I know Stroll is young, but he's been in F1 since 2017, and he should know better. And if he doesn't know better, he needs to get out because there are plenty of other people who would be willing to take that seat. I know it's not one of the top seats in the sport, and I know his dad is financing the team, but. How much longer can Aston Martin continue to, especially in the cost cap era, how much longer can they go on having Stroll crashing into walls and bouncing off things left, right and centre? I know not all of them are his fault, but this is not the first stupid mistake he has made this season. We're going to have to look at Australia, for example. And 
it's not just that when he it's not just that he has an accident um you know because you know because obviously we see drivers all the time have accidents Mick Schumacher's had quite a few clunks recently um and uh, but it's just it's just this whole it's sort of like well where did he come from you know, you know, it's just like, mate, you've got mirrors, use them, just ask the TV. Um, you know, it's it's just it, it just it screams of almost a sense of entitlement or a sense of you know, just, just a sense of oh, it's okay because you know, big Papi Stroll runs the team and he'll take care of whatever, you know, you know, he will you know, he'll sort it or the rest of it. He can't go on like that in F1. This is, it's not roller coaster derby or derby, whatever. It is F1, which is the pinnacle of motorsport. And if he's not going to sort of take it seriously, or not that I'm saying that he doesn't take it seriously, but if he's not going to take accountability for his actions, or if he's not going to learn from his mistakes and improve, if, if he was in a quote unquote normal seat, you know, so one where he wasn't bringing a substantial amount of backing, he'd be out. Um, you know, we've been having this kind of conversation about Danny Rick, you know, you know, driver who's not performing in the seat he's in. And there are lots of rumours swirling about him being sacked or, you know, about him losing his seat for next year or whatever. You know, we're not hearing that about Saul because his dad runs the flipping team. Um, so it's just... He's been in F1 since 2017, like I said, and I know he's still young. He has had some real... I, I think I've said this before. In fact, I'm fairly certain I've said this before. He has had some very good moments in F1. You know, he's had a couple of podiums. Um, he had a really... You know, he put his Williams, I think, what, P2 or something in 2018 when that car was actually bag of nails in Monza. I think he got a bit lucky with some drivers having penalties and stuff. Um, he's been on the podium at Baku, I think, in his first season or possibly a second season. Um... But and, and and then obviously there's the pole position in Turkey from 2020 in the wet. In you know, rain is a great equalizer, and he put it on pole. Um, you know, so if we can see more of that, and and you know, you know, yes, you know, every now and again drivers will sort of like ping into the wall or you know brush a barrier or you know they might you know they might get a puncture or something. It's like when you had a puncture in. Um, Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, uh, or, poss or possibly Mugello actually in 2020, when he had a puncture and he went flying off into the barrier. People were blaming him then. That wasn't his fault at all. He was actually running a decent race then. Um, you know, so not everything is obviously going to be his fault. He needs to be consistent, even if he's consistently average with flashes of brilliance and the odd accident. Isn't that? 60% of the drivers on the field isn't that like most of your sort of isn't that your Bottas your Ocon your you know your, your Magnussen you know that all that lot hell even your signs you know you, you've only then got the sort of like group of elite drivers on the field he's not he's not even he's not even middle of the field at the minute he's one of the worst drivers on the field and Something has to change. I'd even say, to be honest, it's, it's sort, of, sort of, you know, a few years ago that we were, uh, we were running around with saying that, you know, actually, well, not even a few years ago, a few months ago, we were going, you know, Stroll's outgrown his, uh, 
his, his initial phase. No, well, and, well, and, and, you know, he's actually proved himself and uh, unfortunately he's fallen back into it. What I have to question yeah. is someone else, you know, as much as, you know, it can be easy for the driver to be like, to say, oh, these tyres are fine. I, I want to know who at the team let him carry on on those tyres, to be honest. Because they, they had time to come in. Um, I don't think, you know, obviously I'm not trying to you know, buy uh, strong excuses that he really doesn't need at this point. Um, but, you know, there's a certain amount of, you know, there's I don't, I don't think this is purely faultless for him to be uh, stuffing a car into a barrier and, uh, you know, smashing off suspension components. He might have damaged the chassis for all we know, and that's a brand new chassis. Um you know th- these bills mount up quickly, so I don't. I don't think he's entirely. I don't. I don't think he's faultless, um, but I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's a hundred percent to blame either as well uh, when it comes to that accident. Um, just rounding out the uh, rounding out the the grid uh, will be uh, Schumacher, who really was. I thought I think was kind of the. You know, as much as he's quite far away, I think he was probably the the, the one who got hit hardest uh, by uh, Stroll's accident, Aaron. Yeah, it was uh, really bad timing for Mick and things just aren't falling his way really. But then he hadn't set a quick enough lap time as it was and he was kind of stuck then because he was never going to be able to deliver a a good enough warm-up lap to really put something together on his flying lap. Um, A shame, but I mean, at least it wasn't him going in the barriers, which is the last thing he needs. He's probably also heavily compromised by the fact that his car decided to go to the toilet on the track um, on Friday. Um, yeah, so he lost a lot of running there. It's, it's just not falling his way at the moment. Um, and it, if you think of all the breaks that his dad used to get for his way when he was racing, it's somewhat ironic that all of this sort of bad luck is... You say bad, I say bad luck, but you do make your own luck in sport, but some of it is bad luck for Mick some of this bad luck is befalling him, but if he keeps working at it and we've seen that he is a worker because we we saw how he would come good in his second season in his junior formula, he keeps working at it and the team stick with him, which is really important because he is a young driver. The team needs to stick with him. Then I think he can certainly turn it around um, because he is a good driver. He is capable and these cars are not easy to drive um, Kevin Magnussen has come in and maybe sort of shocked him a little bit. So Mick might be just overdoing things a touch to try and get on terms with his new teammate. But Kevin is a very experienced driver who's driven multiple uh, cars in Formula One, good and bad, um, and the different cars that he drove last year. So all of that means that he has access to more just sort of more data within his within his own brain. And Mick is still learning. Mick is still growing. Um, so sometimes the best thing you can give someone is time. And I think that's all Mick Schumacher needs at the moment is just a little bit of time. And he'll come out the other side. Yeah, maybe it might might take two seasons to uh, to get up to speed rather than just the standard one that he, he seems to need. Um and that rounds out our grid uh, for tomorrow. Um, that is obviously, of course, um, notwithstanding any any penalties or things that might be uh, handed down. Um, I know, namely Hamilton, uh, I think is the only example of someone who um, was apparently driving unnecessarily slowly. Uh, Lando's in, also been summoned for the same thing. 
uh, yeah, both, so both of them, uh, you know, uh, for, for driving unnecessarily slowly around the track. So they, that may well result in penalties. Um, I don't know what the penalty for that is. What I don't actually know. Probably a three-place grid drop or something. Might even just be a reprimand, I don't know. Yeah. Um, either way, unfortunately, we don't have the access to the data right now. Uh, that decision hasn't yet come out. Um, so with that, just based off what with the grid as it uh, lies now, um, we'll go with our podium prediction. So, uh, Sophia, where, who, what do you, what's your podium for tomorrow? Oh, um, I don't know if I should stick to the two different podium predictions I've made in both the Everything F1 podcast and the uh, preview show here on Grid Talk. I, I do think it's going to be Charles and then Max. It's P3. I'm a little bit unsure. I think I'm going to change it. I think it's going to be Perez. I think it's going to be a Red Bull 2-3. Okay. And Tom? Uh, I I think um, I think Leclerc will win. Um, and I think uh, I think the top three will stay as they are. So I think Paris will stay second. I think Max will stay third. And I, th- I think I think it's behind them that we'll see some changes. Interesting. Tom, Tom, Tom we're not racing at Monaco anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, yeah, no, no, no. But I, I honestly think Paris has got the pace to hold off Max unless, um, uh, you know, unless unless they do him on strategy, you know, unless they do him on pit stop strategy. Well, if Jos Verstappen's got anything to say about it, they will. No, Jos can get in the bin for all I care. Um, you know, he's just—he's just—he's just an angry little midget, isn't he? Um, you know, so it's a. You know, I really hope Red Bull don't screw over Perez like they did in um, in Spain. And if they do, um, I think I think when Red Bull go to Mexico later this year, I think there'll be pitchforks waiting outside their garage. <laughs> Uh, and Larry, what's your uh, what's your podium prediction? Uh, well, I was sitting here thinking maybe I'll do something wacky and wild, but then that's that's more your forte, Owen. So I'll <laughs> leave that bit to you. Uh, in my predictions, which you can uh, read on my blog, uh, quick plug there, um, you you will find that I've tipped Sergio Perez. I've tipped Sergio Perez to win uh, in a Red Bull one-two ahead of Charles Leclerc. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Sergio win. And I think it would be really interesting to see um, Perez win and take the lead of the Drivers' Championship. So obviously that would mean that something would need to happen to um, Verstappen and to Leclerc for that really to happen. Because I think that would just throw another fascinating dynamic into this season after Spain, Perez wins the two t- next two races and then takes the lead of the World Championship over Verstappen and Leclerc, and it would just prove it would just provide another great narrative and prove that Perez is very much in the fight for this championship, and that I mean maybe Christian Horner has to stick by what he said and that the driver in the lead in the Red Bull needs to uh, be prioritised and. That might not be Verstappen. So I'm going with my podium that I predicted. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> I'd actually quite like to see uh, Christian Horner have to uh, 
explain the backtrack when he inevitably uh, just sides with Verstappen anyway, uh, not sides with, but you know, puts resources behind Verstappen anyway. Um, uh, for my podium, I'm going to go. I think Verstappen's going to win. I think Ferrari can throw this away. Um, <laughs> then I'm going to have Gasly in third and then Perez in second. That's what I see happening. Um, and then we go with bold predictions. Uh, Sophia. I, I, I'm just <laughs> thinking Gasly. I, I mean, fair enough. Um, bold prediction. I, oh, what do I want to do for bold prediction? Originally, bold, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. In the points. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's see. Watch it happen now. Watch Wait, it happen. So <laughs> yeah. so we, we accept your first answer. That's it. <laughs> uh, no, um, I think Russell will be P f- uh, P four. Let's go with that. Oh, oh. <laughs> the fact that that's a bold prediction, I think, says more about the Mercedes. Um, I mean, he originally previous podcast. I think I had him as P three. Um, so that was also another bold. But yeah, no, I think given how bad the porpoising is for the Mercedes. I think it's it's going to be a struggle for either driver to try to maintain or move ahead of their current positions. Yeah. Um, Tom, do you have a bold prediction for us? Stroll keeps it on the wall. Uh, yep, let's go with that. Yeah, sound. Don't <laughs> think that's bold, though, because I have... <laughs> well, no, so, well, no, because what I'm saying is I'm saying he won't yeah. crash tomorrow. I think you know. I might also go and do the lottery quickly. <laughs> do an add TV onto that as well. <laughs> oh, let's let's not run for walk now. And next to each other on the grid. Oh God, don't! Oh no! <laughs> At the start, on a on a street circuit. Now, what happened Turn last one. time? They were next to each other on a street circuit. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They didn't replay it very well. Um. <laughs> Aaron, do you have a full prediction for us? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ricardo finishes ahead of Lando Norris. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> I'm going to go with a bold prediction of Alonso wins. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Tenth has won in Baku before. Uh, fun. Tenth has won in Baku before. Exactly. Ricardo like. in 2017. I like those odds. Um... <laughs> right so before we get any more off the rails uh i'm just gonna give you an obviously an opportunity to promote your shows uh aaron where can we find you uh, you can find me in lots of places so strap in uh so i host the <laughs> five red light on podcast which can be found on all good podcast platforms uh, and on youtube so uh do lots of videos and podcasts race recaps uh, lots to do there I have a blog, 5redlights.wixsite.com slash 5rlpodblog. Uh, lots of articles on there. I wrote about uh, potential Ricardo replacements uh, last weekend, so go and uh, look at that. Uh, you can find me on F1 Chronicle, this website, where I do the uh, race reports, qualifying reports. Uh, so my race report, my qualifying report will be up shortly. And I also write for Inside F2, uh, covering the Formula 2 uh, junior category, which uh, tomorrow, well, today prom- pr- provided a crazy sprint race. Tomorrow's feature race promises to be just as wild. 
and that's everywhere. <laughs> and now we get to flip a coin on who gets to promo everything Tom. I've run. <laughs> Tom will. Tom will. <laughs> Apparently I will. Um, yeah, so you can find us across all your favorite social media platforms, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Um, with the, uh, we are either at join EF1 or just or just search everything F1, you'll find us. Uh, we have our YouTube channel, which is my guest, Everything F1. Um, we have our podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast, which is available on all major podcasting services and indeed on our website. Um, we also have our aforementioned website, everythingf1.com, where you can find uh, quality reviews, race reviews, uh, on this day articles, um, anything motorsport related, not not explicitly F1, but um, uh, but but anything but anything to do with basically if it's got wheels and, and you race it and it's got an engine, um, you can find out find out about it on on our website. Um, have I missed anything, Sophia? Not at the top of my head. I think you covered everything. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. When you said if it's got wheels and you race and you can race it, um, I'm I'm, st- I'm looking forward to the police camera action videos on your website now. Yeah, no, that'll, that'll be me pegging it on the M4. <laughs> Quite right. Um, and if you want to see more of me, I can't think why you would. Um, I, you'll obviously see me periodically on Grid Talk, which is available on YouTube, uh, where most of our episodes are recorded live, for better or worse, um, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogues of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results like this. Uh, well, sorry, qualifying like this and race results like tomorrow. Um, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment for our presenters. Uh, and you can get your ha- get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise, um, like the Champion Series t-shirt that we mentioned before. Um, don't forget there's a draw for that. Uh, you can get to that on uh, f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to make sure uh, to show you the first to know when each new we- weekly episode is released. Uh, we will be back soon with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>